Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Racing with Ryan podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Stevens. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends at American Auto, 124 Welding and Fabrication, and a special show sponsor this week, Schmidt Construction and Ken Copley. Appreciate all of the support for this episode. We've got a big episode here today. Of course, we're going to cover all of the racing action from the regular season opener at the New Smyrna Speedway. Uh, we'll talk the ins and outs of that show. Plus, we'll go around the state and check in with the other major short tracks that were in action this weekend. And we'll check in with our race of the week, the Easter Bunny 150s up at the Hickory Speedway. So that should be a lot of fun to look at here. Um, like I said, a lot of stuff to get into. And we're going to flip-flop things here this week. We're going to talk the local, late model, short track type stuff first. Then we have a special interview today with Ken Copley, driver of the number seven E-Mod. He's going to tell us all about uh, his opening night and his racing career. And we'll get to know Ken a little bit better as I think you're going to have to watch out for the number seven E-Mod here in 2022. And then on the other side of the break, we will cover the NASCAR stuff over at the Atlanta Motor Speedway. A very polarizing event this past weekend at the now Atlanta Super Speedway style racetrack. So we'll cover all of that and more throughout the show here tonight. So I don't want to waste a whole lot of time because I feel like you guys like an episode that's probably about an hour long. Now, no, no promises, but we're going to get right into it. Let's quit wasting time. Let's talk about the New Smyrna Speedway season opener that took place this past Saturday night on the 19th. Well, the season has started, that's for sure. Uh, the Bombers, holy crap, the, the Bombers, man, you guys showed up. And it, it's it's amazing that you guys got the double down on opening night. Uh, everybody else kind of struggled to get cars. And, of course, there's not just one reason for that. There's many. Uh, but the Bombers it didn't sway the Bombers. Um, they're coming to race for 125. They're basically racing to, to get their pit money back for the next week. And yet they brought 25 cars. And there's controversy in the division Let's get right into it. New tire rule. Um, the the tread count on the tires has changed. The Falcons are no longer usable in the bomber division, which I feel like did give a competitive advantage to those that were able to get them. Um, I'm not going to say that uh, it, it was it was a bad thing because everybody could run the Falcon tires, from what I understand. It's just a choice thing. Uh, but now that those tires are outlawed, it puts everybody at a more level playing field as you can run on a little bit cheaper tires. Now, of course, the debate is, are they going to hold up as well? Are they faster? Are they better for the racing? Is it safe? Well, to be honest with you, one driver felt like the new tire rule wasn't safe and that it was going to be a shit show. And I, I'm, I'm, it, it was Eddie Evans. And, and here's, here's the thing. I'm not going to call out Eddie and, you know, say Eddie's wrong. Eddie has a right to, A, not like a rule change, B, not feel the same on these tires and say, you know, and, and say what he had to say. I mean, we had 24 drivers take to the track. We had some incidents and nobody was hurt. So I don't feel the tires aren't safe, but he didn't feel comfortable. So I, I feel like he brought his car out to prove a point like, hey, this is not the direction we should have gone. And you know what? That's he's entitled to that opinion. I, I wish he would have raced. I really do wish he would at least started the feature and taken 50 bucks with him. I'm sure to him, 50 bucks doesn't mean that much, but at the same time, since you were there, you should have just started the feature. Anyway, 
Eddie Evans doesn't like the tires. But I, I feel like he already had that made up in his mind before because when I talked to him a week or so ago, you know, I, I asked him, hey, what's the plans with you guys? I'd like to, you know, put you guys on the entry list, put you guys in drivers of the week, that kind of thing. And he said, well, Jim and Daniel are going to go race. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. So I think Eddie already had it in his mind that he wasn't going to race this year. Um, and, and that's fine. You know, their rule changes are always going to be polarizing. And, and I feel like anybody who feels like a, a rule change is not in their favor has the right to put the car to, for sale and, and not want to run. Um, I think, you know, trying to make a stink of things and say everything's not safe and this and that is is a little is a little too far. But again, each driver is entitled to their opinion. I feel like the tire thing worked out great. If you go back to Speedway Video and watch the bomber race, um, you had like 12 cars on the same straightaway. Last year, it was like one or two, three guys on their own straightaway and everybody else playing catch-up. So I felt like the race was close. It was good, hard racing. I mean, here, here's what I'm going to say with the new tire rule. The good drivers were still up at the front, but now the playing field has been leveled to where these other guys that maybe didn't have the Falcons or or didn't have this, didn't have that, are now getting to show that they too are good drivers and now can compete. I mean, God, it was fun watching Jim Snyder come through the field. It was fun watching two veterans. Well, we'll call Stephen Wright a veteran now, but a very good driver in his own right, battling with Dustin Higdon for the win. And Dustin booped him a few times, got him loose. Uh, never wrecked the man. Try. I mean, I'm not even going to say he tried to, but he definitely he bumped him going to the corner trying to send him up the track, and Stephen Wright was able to hang on, and Stephen Wright was the first of the checkered flag. He didn't get to keep it, of course. He was DQ'd by weight, which I hate. You guys know how much I hate disqualifications. I mean, they have their they have their place. Um, but uh, I like seeing stuff, one on the racetrack. Uh, so Stephen Wright, and he didn't like the tire rule. I, I have a feeling that We'll only see Steven on select nights now um, with the disqualification out of the points, um, not happy with the tires. I, I hope that we see him run. I, I, I hope we see everybody run. Uh, but I understand if he takes some time and, and figures out what's he, what he wants to do going forward. Um, the bomb race was great. Like I mentioned, Jim Snyder coming from the back, he got involved in one of the heat race dust-ups with one of the rookies out there. And he started 24th. That was basically dead last. There might have been a few cars that waved him ahead. So he might have started 18th or 20th on the grid. But he came all the way up to 4th. Uh, fifth at the checkered flag, 4th in the standings. Uh, passing cars. And he got up there. We had Stephen Wright, Dustin Higdon, Dan Webb, C.J. Creech, Jim Snyder. Some of the top dogs in this division last year. Even with the different tires that they could run. Still the top dogs this year. So... Does it change the way you have to drive your car? Absolutely. Those that were able to set up their car and be able to handle it had a good night. And there are some maybe chasing it a little bit. It, it is going to change your setup a little bit. You can't drive the same way that you could on those other tires. So I understand where there are mixed feelings. And I am completely sympathetic because if I was one of those drivers within the rules, using the Falcon tires last year, not able to use it, have to put different tires on, have to change a bunch of stuff, to, to make it right, and then you miss a little bit, you chunk some tires, that, that's frustrating. It is. It's, it is. But for the overall health and goodness of the division, I think it was a good call. Uh, let me just read. I want to read the top 10. So you had Dustin Higdon, your winner, Dan Webb second, CJ Creech third, so a mix there, veteran and newcomers, Jim Snyder fourth, last year's champion. So the cream right back to the top. Brandon Monroe, First top five for the 14 car and a 24 car field with a double down. Todd Latour in his dirt car, he finished in 
the sixth uh, sixth position, yes. Then it was Daniel Snyder, a rookie. Todd Smith in the 88. That car was dog meat a couple of weeks ago, and now he's in the top 10. Larry Masters in ninth. Nick Abatsas in 10th. James Partlow, a rookie, 11. John McCormick, a veteran, a former champion, 12. So, I mean, you have a mix of newcomers, oldcomers. Um, Chuck Rush was in the mix. We got to throw Chuck in there. Um, he had a steering wheel come off, and he hit the wall, ending his night. But he was up there in the top six, top seven cars. There were seven or eight guys that were really capable of mixing it up for the win, and I thought it was spectacular. The Bombers are going to get talked about a lot on this podcast. Hate me if you will. I could give two craps if you want to hate on me for talking about a division that brings race cars and puts on a good show, um, because that was the case. They brought 25 cars, started 22 in the feature. Poor Courtney Breeden. Congratulations again to Courtney Breeden and James McKaig on the marriage proposal on the front straightaway. That was super cool. Um, Courtney got involved in a heat race crash, decided to sit out the feature, uh, as did Daniel Bromley, who got torn up in a heat race. Uh, Eddie Evans, of course, made the decision not to race, and then Stephen Wright with the DQ. So 25 cars on the ground, 22 started the main event, and it was fantastic. Uh, just an absolutely great race, great start to the year for the Bombers. Uh, there are even more coming out. We had a couple of people register online, and um, they they weren't there, so I expect a few more to come out. I know uh, a couple other drivers that have let me know that they should be here this week. So I think there's no doubt that for the second week in a row, the Bombers could at at least show up with 20 cars and hopefully get the double down for the second week in a row. So keep up the good work. Bomber drivers, uh, very entertaining race. Definitely in my mind, you know, the, these aren't the flashy late model cars, but they were the best race of the night. No doubt about it. Um, I'm going to talk about the E-Mods here a little bit. We are going to hear from Ken Copley, the runner-up finisher. Um, he brought a sponsorship to the program here this weekend for, he, he's going to do that, uh, for the EMOD episodes when the EMODs race. So I appreciate Ken and uh, his sponsors coming on board, supporting the show. Um, EMODs, it was a solid turnout. I mean, there was eight, um, you, you'll hear in the interview, we expect more to come as the year goes, but it was a great race. Um, you had, you, you really had four drivers eh, throw John Compagnon in there. Um, in the five, you had five guys that were relatively close together. This looks like we're going to have a good competitive season of EMODs. Yes, Earl Beckner won, but no, Earl Beckner did not come out in the 71 car and stomp everybody's butts like he did the last couple of years. Uh, he drove for Timmy Walters, uh, who's been getting that car back together. Earl's been helping Timmy and Timmy threw Earl in the car as kind of a thank you for helping me, um, shake it down. What else do we need? Sort of deal. And Earl did not win this thing easily. He and Art Koonsman got into it. And Earl had to come from the back about halfway through. And Ken Copley, for a while, led the race. Looked like maybe he was going to pull the upset. Uh, Dylan LeBeau was up there. Uh, we got a good crop of drivers. Um, rookie of the year chase is going to be interesting. James Adams and Greg Dame are the two leading candidates there. Um, if Earl runs every race, Earl's going to be tough. And it's not because his car is illegal or because his car is this and his car... Because Earl's good. There's no doubt about it. Earl can win in just about anything. It's, I made a joke with him. I, I don't think he found it too funny in victory lane, but um, I was like, man, we could throw you in a bomber car and you could probably go spank everybody. Earl's just that good, especially at New Smyrna. Uh, so Earl Beckner did win the E-Mod race. Ken Copley second. Dylan LeBeau third. Art Koonsman fourth. James Adams your top five. I think the E-Mods are only going to get better going forward. Sportsmen were definitely disappointing. Uh, only eight cars. It was really a battle between Michael Atwell and Timmy Todd, and it was a track position race. No yellow flags, no real issues out on the racetrack, no drama, which is a good thing. Um, 
But it, even though there was a shortage of cars, you got some cool stories uh, because Timmy Todd won the championship last year, did not win a race. He takes care of that early on this year. Michael Atwell subbing for Travis Devendorf, who couldn't make it, uh, finished second. George Alexander, third. Richard Fiore, fourth. Justin Reeves, some guys that just, you know, you don't normally see them in the top five. Got some top five. So, yes, I know the car count was down, but this gives some of these other people uh, a chance. And, you know, there's been other years, like when Steve Barnes won the championship, when there's only about seven, eight cars every night. So, okay, yeah, the cars aren't there, but somebody's going to make a story for themselves this year, and hopefully there'll be more cars. And that's not a knock on Steve Barnes. He's a friend of the show, and I like to pick on him. He's just doing other things this year, and that, that's that's fine. But that does not mean that, uh, um, you know, his he can say what he wants about car counts and everything else is better, and so can everybody else. But um makes for a good story, and, and, and we'll see how the sportsman cars evolve throughout the season. Uh, Ron Whaley, an unfortunate DQ, uh, getting a car back together. I guess they missed it on the scales a little bit. So hopefully we see Ron back and he can do even better than he did. He was third at the checkered flag, got DQ'd. Pro late models, yeah, a little disappointing here as well. Uh, missing uh, quite a few cars from last year. The entire RCS camp was absent. Uh, that's a two or three car hit right there. So that's disappointing. Um, no Mike Miklier, no Dalton Smith, no Jeff Johnson, no Ricky Moxley, just to name a few. And for a while, Brad May wasn't there, so it was looking like things were going to be wide open. Um, talking about the prolates here, uh, Brad May, of course, did win. He was able to hold off JoLynn Wilkinson from Alabama, making her first start. She set fast time in qualifying, um, had a good car in the middle of the race, just track position. Brad May saving his stuff, got out in front, and JoJo wasn't able to chase him down. But Brad May wins it, JoJo Wilkinson second. Blake Sidey, Mike Motto, Steve right at your top five. Now, Colby Clements was also a victim of the disqualification. But I got to tell you, I have never seen this in all my years in short track racing. Uh, I've never seen this specific situation. So Colby was DQ'd. There's a little bit of a snafu with what rules were in place. Was it the late model rules from last year? Was it this year's Speed Weeks rules? Because for whatever reason, the rules never got updated for the late models on the website. They did for World Series, but not for the regular season. So there's some questions on what restrictor could be run and what couldn't. And Colby got busted. Uh, whatever was determined as legal that night, Colby did not have on there and was busted and DQ'd. However, in one of the coolest shows of sportsmanship, his competitors came to bat for him, namely Brad May and Stephen Reddit. Uh, if you watched the hot lap when I did the full recap show uh, on New Smyrna, um, Stephen Reddit was commenting on there like, hey, Colby Clements got kind of screwed over. And I didn't really realize what was going on. Um, then I talked to Stephen personally on, on Facebook Messenger later, and he gave me some information. And I said, all right, well, I'll look into it. And before I could get a hold of everybody at the track, Brad May calls me and says, hey, you know, Colby Clements, what, what can we do for him? He kind of got put in a bad situation. And, and to hear from an entire spectrum of drivers here. You have Brad May, who's the guy to beat. You have Stephen Reddit, who's coming off his first year in prolates last year. Um, you know, doesn't he's not as competitive as Brad May. Not to say that he's not a good driver, but you have Brad May winning the race. You have Stephen Reddit down, you know, hanging on to the lead lap. And both of those guys are fighting for Colby Clements, somebody that they're going to have to worry about for the championship if they are to win it. Because Colby and his team are now discouraged they lost their points. They're going to be out of the championship run. There's only a handful of races. You you can't take a zero and, and make up for the championship run. So now they were considering not racing. And 
Brad May and Stephen Reddit, they want to race against people. They really do. And they could have just said, well, that sucks. He got kind of hung up, hung out to dry on, on that situation. But instead, they agreed that, you know, okay, the, the determination was made that this and this and this and this and this, whatever, were, were legal, and Colby was found outside of those parameters. So, you know, and the DQ is already made, and you can't undermine the tech people, or else tech then doesn't matter. So they wanted him to get last place points for qualifying in the feature. And I was able to make a phone call, kind of plead the case for Colby and say, hey, this isn't coming from me. I agree with what Brad May and Stephen Reddit said, given the circumstances. Now, moving forward, this isn't going to happen. But since the competitors agreed upon it, um, we were able to get Colby Clements last place points. So instead of getting a DQ, he's seventh. He's fifth in qualifying and seventh uh, in the feature for points. And I think that's a fair compromise. And I don't know if that's going to save Colby and those guys for from from not wanting to run all the races. It's definitely going to help, I think. I think it's the right call to be made given the circumstance. And I think it's awesome that his fellow competitors went to bat for him like that. Um, if I had picked up the phone and said, hey, Colby Clements got screwed and had no basis to stand on, nothing would have changed. Um, and I didn't really even realize. I, I, you know, I just knew he got DQ'd. I put the results up. I, I put the results in as they came. I didn't really know. Uh, I knew Steven was from Wake because I heard it on the radio uh, at, at the track. Had no idea if Colby was DQ'd until I got home that night, to be honest with you, because sometimes I don't, I really don't listen to the radio when I'm at the track because I'm trying to concentrate on what's going on, you know, for the fans and all that. So with that said, awesome on Brad May and Steven Reddit, uh, Colby Clements or Mr. Uh, Pete Clements, if you listen to this, uh, just know your competitors went to bat for you guys and were able to get your last place points, which... I know it doesn't, uh, it's not the same as third place points, but it's definitely better than losing all your points. So a great compromise was made, in my opinion. And, you know, there this isn't the first time a situation has gone like this. Uh, there have been other times where DQ is put down, we gave them last place points uh, due to, you know, circumstance. Uh, the rules are updated and posted now with the current things that are legal so that this situation isn't going to happen again. So that's uh, that's what we have to say on that. Hopefully we get the prolates uh, back. If we can get three or four more of these things out here throughout the season, they'll be fine, just like they were last year. Um, 602 Modifieds made their debut. Um, if you read between the lines, you'll know that there was really two true 602s out there. Um, the Some of the ground pounder uh, faithful were able to, to come along and race their relatively legal cars. Um, the, the, the club was, the club accepted every car that was there as eligible to run. And they know that this season, well, yes, there's points and finishing position on the line. They know that this season is a glorified, you know, trial run. So let's get some cars out there. Let's put on a show. So it, it was fine. Um, Bud McIntyre, from what I understand, he had the advantage for sure. Um, if that car is going to continue to run, I think they'll have to dial it back a little bit, but they'll work through that as a group. The, that was a group of eight drivers that were there in agreement of working together. Rob Schultz, who got beat by the double zero, more than happy just to be there. He was, he was uh, gracious to, to be here, to be at the track, wanted to be there, wants to support this division, and wants, wants to watch it grow, wants it to grow, and it will. Um, if everybody can understand that these 602 mods, this is their, you know, this is their free trial, if you will. And then if it's good and things can get worked out to where they can run next year on the regular set, uh, regular season, 
then, you know, the, the rules will be hammered in a little bit better in, in this and that. Not to say that these guys came out here to cheat. Everybody out here, it was a, it was a group of eight. Eight buddies that agreed to race each other with the cars that they had. So we'll see what happens with this division and see if it grows, see if it becomes sustainable, uh, see if we can't get more of these tour-type chassis down here to put some 602s in and really get this thing off the ground. So stay tuned to the, the 602s. That was their trial, and we'll see how the rest of the season goes. Bud McIntyre, your winner, Rob Schultz, second, Tom Toronto, Chris Hatton, Tim Evans, your top five there. Um, now, some of those cars you may see with the ground pounder race next week. Some of them you may not. They might not be even worrying about that anymore. They might be just concentrating on this 602 class. So um, it's kind of like the the ground pounders, the, the tour mod style ground pounders moved over to the 602 modified. You'll still have your ground pounders here this weekend. And we'll just see how it goes. Um, but definitely cool. Really cool to see Rob Schultz supporting this. Uh, he was one of the guys that helped get the 602s down here for speed weeks. And um, I think him supporting this and keeping this class relevant all year is only going to help Speed Weeks going forward. So um, overall, a fun night. I mean, car count wasn't all there. Um, you can you can get online and, and hammer home. The, the car count sucked. Um, sure, it wasn't great. It wasn't the best. But I, I feel like that's normally the case with opening. I can't tell you how many opening nights. The, the first race I ever announced had the worst car counts I've ever seen in my life. But yet, I had the time of my life. So it's all perspective. Um, definitely would have loved to see some more cars. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, it was the best night ever. A um, lot of fun things. The the proposal uh, in Victory Lane before the start of things with, with Courtney and James. I worked on that with James for a couple of days. And we had to trick Courtney into winning driver of the week. And uh, she almost won it outright. But Greg Dame got got on his social media and really pumped that up. Um, so yeah, doing the... Uh, and I like doing the driver of the week on track. Um, I, I think that's something I'm going to continue to do to give these, to give more of a spotlight to these guys, not just say, okay, here's your driver of the week clap. Let it, let them talk a little bit Could do some shout outs, that kind of thing. I think that worked well. Um, we were shorthanded, short staffed. Uh, we were missing Ralph and Binky. So there's your race director and, uh, one of your scores. Um, we were missing Tyler, the flag man. He was on vacation. It just happened to be that his vacation fell on opening night. Um, we're missing a couple other people here and there. Uh, so we had some fill-ins. Butch Pierce was, uh, up on the flag stand and <laughs> Butch grabbed the, the red flag and waved it as a black flag and threw the green flag instead of the checkers. And I was like, Butch, are you going colorblind? Just joking around. And it had been 10 plus years since he flagged. So people filling in, uh, we had a fill-in score. Um, so things took a couple of extra minutes and, uh, the other alternative was, well, we don't have staff, we don't race. So I think, um, you know, the couple of imperfections are definitely better than, you know, not racing at all. So definitely some things to iron out, but uh, race number one of the regular season is in the books. Congratulations to our winners. Let's take a quick peek around the rest of the state and see what went on here. Um, oh, yes, there is a bounty now on Brad May. Kenny Roth actually just messaged me asking for a post on that, and I'll work on that. Um, $1,000 put down from Robert Hart on whoever can beat Brad May in a pro late fair and square. So as we transition here, uh, let's see, where can I find Auburndale's results? Auburndale's results. Here they are. Auburndale Speedway in action this past Saturday as well. Um, I want to cover, I'm not going to sit here and cover everything, but, uh, they had a Sportsman 50, which drew double the cars that we had. They had 16 cars there. And uh, you'll notice some familiar names on this list here. 
the race was won by, oh, come on, there it is. Uh, well, you know, Schofield Motorsports went out there and uh, blew everybody away. Tyler Schofield, your winner over Keith Lilly, the team car there in the 87. Kevin Macy was third. Tim Sozio, fourth. Adam Briggs, former New Smyrna champion, fifth. So to, uh, Sozio and Briggs, maybe two guys you would see out there. Uh, you had Matt Green. You had Joe Hamilton out there. Um, of course, Steve Barnes is now racing over at Auburndale. So they had the normal people like, you know, George Gorham, Brandon Ducher, those type of guys, Cody Brinson, Joe Winchell out there racing. And they also had some other familiar names. So good, good draw for Auburndale. Uh, 16 cars for the sportsman. Last couple of sportsman races I announced out there had like eight cars. So um, it's eight cars is kind of becoming like the magic number uh, for normal sportsman nights. But good to see them pull a de- decent field over there in Tyler Schofield. I'm not surprised that they won, to tell you the truth. Uh, they also had the trucks in action, and they had 15, 16 trucks there. So great turnout for the trucks. Carter Brown won that one over Brennan Pletcher and Kristen Clements. Uh, Cody McDuffie and Chris Rummel in fifth. Great top five there. Becca Monopoly was sixth. Taylor Watson, seventh. Chase King, man, that's a great field of trucks. George Gorham the third was 10th. Um, some other notables, uh, Blake Clouser was 12th, uh, running the 53 truck. Um, that's a great, great crop of trucks. I hope we can get some of those out there. Uh, remember, uh, new Smyrna Pro Trucks, um, thanks to Ashley Holmes Jack's Trucks, your payout is well worth the trip if you come race with us. Just putting that out there. So congratulations to Carter Brown. That truck was fast during the charity race, too. So not surprised to see Carter do well. Um, eight mod minis over there. Nick Cummins won that one. Uh, so nothing too special there. Uh, TJ Cruz in the 14 car. Finally, a new winner over there. Um, there were some DQs, but they had, let's see, we had 25 bombers. They had 14, 16 scramblers. So, I mean, the cars are out there, folks. Cars are definitely out there. We just keep um, we keep uh, spreading everybody thin with around the same type of stuff. But, I mean, it's still a good turnout. Good 14 cars put on a hell of a race over there at Auburndale, let me tell you. Uh, but TJ Cruz wins in the 14 car. Uh, let's see. Crown Vicks, they had 14 of those. Jonathan Wallace beat Chris Rummel in that one. So it looks like a, a very good day over at the Auburndale Speedway. So kudos to them. They continue to draw pretty good car counts and put on some good shows. Um, obviously, I've worked at Auburndale a few times, always willing to if – they, if they call me on an off night and have me come over there, I'll go over there in a heartbeat. Love that place. I uh, love the people there. Um, so glad to see they're having continued success here. Uh, 417 Speedway, also in action. Uh, they had the wing sprint cars, the Southern uh, Shootout Series sprint cars there for 40 laps. That was won by Davey Hamilton. Only 11 cars there. Um, but, man, 11, 14, 15, it's kind of in the magic numbers. So Davey Hamilton wins over Sport Allen, Bruce Brantley, Daniel Miller, and LJ Grimm. All very good drivers. So they're still very solid drivers for the sprint cars. Um you know, you get 10, 11, 12 of those things, and it looks great, especially on the uh, the smaller tracks. Um, Legends cars, what big draw here. They had 19 Legends cars over there at 417. Willie Cuddy from the old Cuddy clan, the orange cars. You'll, you'll, you know what I'm talking about if you've been around this type of racing. So congratulations to Willie Cuddy, besting a field of 19 in the Legends. Uh, A-Mods had twin features, and they had 12 cars, so not too bad, but... Uh, both races were won by Scott Keebler, Jacob Wallace, Wally Smith, Jason Deaton, Thomas Razor, top five in race one. Dan, uh, Keebler, 
Dan Scott, Jason Deaton, Ronnie Abney made the trip down, and Wally Smith, your top five in uh, feature number two. So not a bad turnout there for uh, for the A-Mods, which are the E-Mods with DOT tires. Crown Vicks, only six over there. Logan Leonard, the winner. So let's quickly browse over to the Citrus County Speedway. They ran super late models for 50 laps, 14 cars. So solid for a 50-lap normal shootout-style race. Um, I mean, I'm telling you, we, we talked about it on this show, and I don't know if I'm just being pessimistic or not, but super late models are a tough, tough draw right now. Uh, 14 cars, I think, for Citrus is, well, still, it's not, it, I mean, you're not going to not go to the track because they only got 14 cars. But you would think with Citrus, they would draw, you know, 16 to 20. But that just tells you it's a tough draw right now. Um, Citrus, of course, always does a great job with, with everything. So um, it's just uh, a way of the times right now, I guess. But uh, the race was won by Jared Irvin. I did watch highlights of this race, and Jared Irvin really dominated. Uh, he held off Patrick Staropoli. Randy Anderson was third. Jonathan Guy, uh, the Guy family from Auburndale, they brought their super over for Jonathan. He ran fourth. Mike Bresnahan, your top five. Keith Rogan, Scott Grossenbacher, Brighton Horner. Mike Bell and Tony Elrod, your top 10. So, again, not, not just a couple of spins, minor contact here and there, nothing too crazy. Um, Jared Ir- Irvin just, uh, he had him beat. There's no doubt about it. Uh, he was fast and uh, held off pretty good field. I mean, if you can hold off an Anderson at Citrus, you're, you're doing something right. So, congratulations to Jared Irvin. Uh, they also ran the Ford Outlaws over there. Uh, let's see, they had 16, so that's kind of that's kind of down. Then again, Ford Outlaws were all over the play. They ran at three tracks last week. Um, Thomas Pete was the winner over Eric Sharon. Uh, in the mini stocks, they had, wow, that's a good field. They had 15 mini stocks, which are close to the Bombers. So, again, you have three different tracks around these type of cars. Uh, Caleb Boardman, the winner there. Pure stocks, which, of course, if you know me, you know I love the pure stocks. Uh, those guys were in action. Good field of pure stocks, 14. Uh, so pretty good field of sports, uh, uh, pure stocks. Larry Welter Jr., no surprise, your winner over James Johnson, Cody Struble, Gregory Dick, and Eric Sharon. And then one final class here. I know I'm kind of breezing through this, but since I wasn't there, I don't have too much commentary on it. Um, they also had the street stocks, which are very similar to the pure stocks, but they're different. Uh, 14 of those. So solid all the way around. It really was. Uh, Jonathan Appleby, the winner in that one, Jace Henley. Peanut Waller, Cody Struble, and Joe Girard rounding out your top five in that division. So there's a quick look around the state at what was going on. And if you remember back to last show, I talked about um, picking a big race to kind of follow. And I did this, I'll I'll be honest with you, I didn't have time to watch it, but I followed via social media. Um, There was the Easter Bunny Twin 150s over at the Hickory Motor Speedway. And the reason that this event caught my eye is some of the drivers running. Now, this is the the past championship super late model, uh, the Pro All-Star Series that typically runs up north. Uh, we've seen them down here in the south a couple of times, but this is the past super late model series. So some familiar names, but a lot of the northern guys in this one. Um, there were 34 cars. So I know pass is a little bit different. There's a big debate going on, which uh, I'll quickly touch on it. Uh, the Hamkey cars have kind of been more or less outlawed from past competition and I don't know if you'll notice this or not, but the Hamkey cars won both the Easter Bunny races, so I think Pass is trying to um, get more of a uh, solid rules thing down that's going to make it more 
applicable to the cars that run up that way, but that's going to, you know, the, the traveling cars are going to be, you know, time of Jeske already said, well, no Oxford 250 for me. Uh, this could hurt some of these other guys. Um, but again, the reason these races caught my eyes were the winners. Uh, race number one went to Ryan Moore, uh, who we've seen run at New Smyrna before, uh, former super late model champion. Didn't run this year, but he's won the red eye. He's won races at the world series. He's a champion. Um, and of course, you know, the son of Kelly Moore, one of the top runners in the old Bush North series, uh, Ryan took the win on day number one ahead of Cole Butcher, Joey Paul Warzik, uh, Gabe Brown, and Austin McDonald, names that you should be familiar with. Uh, I'm just going to stick to Joey Pohl from now on because I completely butchered that, uh, even though me and Margo talk about that name all the time. Um, you know, but like I said, uh, 34 cars. And looking at the rundown here, this is what always impresses me to see how many cars finish on the lead lap. 14 on the lead lap, and you had 18 that finished at least 146 laps. So that looked like a pretty good race. Um, and then, of course, the next day, so they raced Friday and Saturday. The next day, your winner, come on, computer, help me out here, uh, William Byron in the 24 for Donnie Wilson Racing. So Donnie Wilson Motorsports continues their impressive run as of late. William Byron now with three big super late model wins. And I love that Mike Joy called this out uh, on the broadcast on Sunday, uh, before William By- Byron even won the race, spoiler alert for later in the pod, um, when he's like, yeah, William Byron's been having a great year, you know, uh, won two super late model races at New Smyrna, and now the Easter Bunny 150 event over at Hickory. So he won night number two over Brandon Baker, Garrett Hall, Derek Griffith, there's another name you should be familiar with, and Joey Pohl, your top five, Austin McDonald, DJ Shaw, Gabe Brown, Trevor Sanborn, and uh, Ben Rowe, the top 10. Uh, names that I'm very familiar with from up north. But again, 32 cars started night number two and 11 on the lead lap. So probably longer green flag runs tonight. Um, but we had another 18 cars within three laps. So it looked competitive. They had a good draw. Now the past cars, past super late models, not exactly the same guys, but most of the same guys that you'll hear. So they had a good draw. But, hey, you put on twin 150s and and have a decent payout, that's going to draw some cars. So that is our weekly racing roundup here. Congratulations to all of our winners and all of our tracks. Um, It was a beautiful weather weekend, and I think the tracks thrived. Uh, I don't know how the crowds were at the other racetracks, but I'll tell you, um, the the crowd at New Smyrna was much better than I expected. Um, It definitely promoted the hell out of it. Kenny definitely helped promote the hell out of it. Uh, so we got people there. Uh, I just hope we give them a better show here going forward. But thanks to everybody that, that did come out. Congratulations to all the track for getting your racing in. And um, we are going to take a quick commercial break. Then we'll hear from EMOD driver Ken Copley on the other side. And we'll cover all the racing action from the Atlanta Motor Speedway and that wild super speedway style event that they put on on Sunday. <laughs> This episode of the Racing with Ryan podcast is brought to you by our friends at American Auto Tires and Service. If you need anything done on your vehicle, make sure you take it to see EJ and all the guys at American Auto. No job too big or too small. They will take care of you whether you need one tire or all four. Whether you need a complete rebuild or just a tune-up, make sure you stop by American Auto and let them know the Racing with Ryan podcast sent you. We are also sponsored by our friends at 124 Welding and Fabrication, our good buddy Ron D'Alessandro. Hopefully you've made it over to some of his car shows, as that's always a good time. Um, But if you need anything welding, uh, 
fabrication-wise. Make sure you check in with Ron. Um, he can build decorations, too. You may have seen it on the hot lap uh, just last week. He had the great sign, run your race car, not your mouth. One of my favorite decorations that we have in the house. Um, trophies, decorations, a gift for your wife, a gift for your friend, anything for the man cave. Uh, Ron can take care of you if you need a race car or anything like that. Go see Ron at 124 Welding and Fabrication. And our newest sponsor coming on board for this episode, Schmidt Construction out of Winter Garden, Florida. They're a family-owned and operated business with deep roots in Central Florida with decades of experience in the construction industry. From pre-construction to full build-out, they'll keep your product on track and on budget no matter what type of construction service you're looking for. They can help you. You can give them a call at 352-243-3720. Proud sponsor of the number 7 EMOD from Ken Copley, who you will hear from next. All right, so on the Racing with Ryan hotline, we have driver of the number 7 EMOD, Mr. Ken Copley, joining us today. Ken, how you doing? I'm doing great. Good to see you. Or hey. hear you. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to come on the show. No problem. I'm excited about it. So you're excited about this, but I feel like you're pretty excited about the start to your season this year. You got off to a good start Saturday night at New Smyrna, finishing second in the EMODs. Yes, sir. And I think that's probably, that may be the best race I've ran in the since the two years I came back. Uh, I finished second other times, but I think I was, I was a whole lot better this past weekend. Yeah, you were up there leading laps and... You know, if it wasn't for Earl Beckner, I think you might have gotten the win there the other day because your car looked good. It, it was like a night and day difference uh, on Saturday versus what it was last year. No, that's awesome, and I thank you for that. I've had several people come up to me and tell me the same thing, so I'm excited about that. And uh, you still can't forget about Dylan. I'm pulling oh, for yeah. Dylan. I want to outrun him, but I want to see Dylan get a win as well. See, I, th- I think I think both of you guys have wins coming this year because I'm not sure if Earl's going to run every race or not. Of course, you know, it, he could hop in any one of those modifieds out there and, and be the guy to beat. There's no doubt about that. But I don't know what his plans are this year. But I feel like between you and, and Dylan and even Art and some of those other guys, I feel like we're going to see a few different winners this year. Well, I hope you're right. What do you What do you think is the outlook of the division for 2022? Man, I really I was surprised this week when we raced that we didn't have ten cars. Uh, I think I think we're going to have probably maybe ten to fifteen cars each race, and I may be wrong, but I can count some other guys that didn't show up that showed up all last year, like the ninety three, the four, uh, the fifty two showed up sometimes. So I think it's going to be a good field. Yeah, I think you're right. There's definitely some cars out there, and I I feel like. The opening day is one of the toughest days because there's a lot of people that the off season's not very long, so there's not there, there's some people that maybe didn't have their stuff ready or just weren't able to make it for whatever reason. So I think you're right. There's definitely more cars out there, and if we can keep them all running and get them there at the same place, they're gonna have good fields. Exactly, and I know of uh, one of uh, he's kin to Bobby Blake. I can't remember his name right offhand. I think it might be Mike Blake, but uh, he's got a brand new car. He's gonna be coming out. He'll probably be out the next. Uh, race on 423 well good good i like hearing that there's more cars out there because that's just gonna make you know car count isn't everything but it 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 helps it gets more you know people out there and makes your race a little bit harder um but let's talk about uh saturday though must have felt good leading some laps in that thing 
Yes, it did. It felt really good. And I'm trying to make me a different line than I did last year. My son's been on me about, Dad, you got to move up. You got to move up. So uh, I'm trying. I still need seat time, believe it or not. I've done this now the last two years, but I still need seat time. Well, it's, it's a learning thing. It's, you know, the, especially with those EMODs, they're such different vehicles than what most people are used to. So you get out there and, and you guys race maybe if, if the weather is nice twice, twice a month or so. So the seat time is very important and you haven't raced since the, the end of last year. So it, it's been a little while, but it looked like you knocked the rust off pretty fast. Yep. We're, we're, we're trying to. So what kind of work did you do on the car during the off season? Did you make any big changes or was it just changing up your driver line? I changed my driver line. I've changed some springs. I changed some shocks. Uh, so we did change quite a bit. Yeah, it definitely sounds like uh, those changes work. That's for sure. Because sometimes, you know, you talk to Dylan LeBeau and he's like, yeah, we missed the setup. They made some changes. It didn't work. It sounds like the changes you guys made definitely worked. And um, I'm telling you guys, we're that close and you're knocking on the door of that victory. Yes, that sounds good. I, I can't wait till the next race. Yes, sir. It's going to be very, very exciting. And, you know, I, I think we're going to see somebody else in victory lane uh, next week, even if Earl's out there, because he looked he was competitive. Uh, but I think you guys are going to catch up to him and, and make him earn these wins. Um, so you got back into this EMOD thing back two years ago, actually won the championship back in 2020. What made you decide to get behind the wheel of an EMOD? I had a friend of mine uh, that was looking for, well, not a friend of mine, a friend knew John Jim Daly, and he was looking for a driver. And they mentioned my name, and, and John Campion says, man, I remember him as a kid. Is he still around? And that's how I got in the seat. And we went to Bronson and ran. And the first night out, I ran second, and I was hooked again. That, I mean, that's usually all it takes. You get back behind the wheel of this thing, and you have the bug, and then – decided to bring it out to New Smyrna. And did you expect, to, I mean, 2020 was a weird year with, with COVID and some of the season being cut short. Did you expect things to go your way like that on in 2020? Not in my wildest dreams. I just was really happy to be able to get on the track and show my kids. My kids never seen me race. They were, a couple of them wasn't even born. So oh, wow. they never seen me race. And I just wanted to get out there and do it again. And I didn't realize that, you know, it was going to turn into this. That's that's crazy. I mean, things just fell into place so well for you in 2020. And then, you know, last year, it, every season has different challenges. Last year, I mean, you were there. You were up in the points, so you had a good year. But you could just tell that it, it, the car just wasn't quite working for you. And then you get uh, off to a great start on Saturday night. So it's just it's it's interesting to see the year-to-year progression or regression. Not to say that last year you regressed or anything, but, you know, you guys did admittedly struggle with the race car. Oh, most definitely. We did struggle with the race car last year. And I think it was a lot the driver, not so much the owner, but the driver. See, and, and you're out there learning. You changed your line, and they better look out for you this year. Um, I did want to ask, though, um, you know, you got back behind the wheel of this thing, and, and you said um, your kids, some of your kids have never seen you race. When did you start racing? I started racing in 1979. 1979. What division? In street stock. Street stocks. Okay. And I stayed in street stock until 1982. I was 1980 rookie of the year. And then in 82, we moved up to Thundercar, they called it. And uh, we were really successful. I had my dad, you know, that twisted wrenches. And uh, he was really good at it. I'm not good at that. 
but he was really good at it, and we were competitive. We either blew up or run in the top four almost every time we went out. That's pretty good, minus the you know engine problems, of course. But yes, so yes, you guys were were the ones that they knew you had to beat. Yeah, and we were the only Ford out there, other than Granny Tatro. I don't know if you remember her Mm-mm. or heard of her. Nope, I'm not familiar with that name. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we were like the only Ford out there. So, uh, and what was really cool in 1982, also I led a whole hundred laps and won the Florida State Championship there. Oh, nice! And that was yeah. over. Was that at Orlando? No, at at New Smyrna. Oh, that Speedway. was at New Smyrna. Okay, okay. Yep. Yep. As uh, and and that's where you got your start at New Smyrna. That's where I got my start at New Smyrna, and I ran some at Speed World. Went up to Ocala, went over the wall there, out in the, in the trees. That oh, was goodness. actually I got some pictures of me in the trees at Ocala. Well, that's pretty scary. Is that the wildest yeah, ride you've scary. ever been on? It was crazy. Is that your wildest ride? Uh, no, my wildest ride was probably flipping coming out of Turn Four at New Smyrna Speedway. I flipped all the way until I got past the flag stand. Oh my goodness, and that's a long way too. That's a long ways. And the person that came out there to check on me was Leroy Porter. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Because he used to park right there on the front straightaway. So, but that was the wildest ride. The scariest one, I had the throttle stick on me one time. Mm. And that was, that's it took no me a good. while to get over that because that was really bad. Yeah. that's. I mean, that's about the worst thing you could have happen, especially at Smyrna with the, the long straightaways. And that, uh, it almost happened to, to Greg Dame there in the, the practice run. He had it. Uh, come out of gear actually and turn around backwards in the wall but man hitting, hitting the wall there especially has got to be a bad feeling especially when there's nothing you can do about it oh there's nothing you can do about it man that is terrible uh, and i and that stuck with me for about three months <laughs> yeah no i can imagine you think about it every time you go off into the corner I mean, exactly i tell my dad check the carburetor check the carburetor Man, that's uh, that's terrifying. So you've, you've definitely had a career of ups and downs, but I think every single race car driver experiences that if they do this long enough. Yep, they do, unfortunately. So what's your best racing memory? My best racing memory is leading every lap at the uh, Florida State Championship race at New Smyrna Speedway. And another good memory, I've, I used to race against uh, Jack Simmons. Okay. And he drove the Denny's car and I drove a big old cyclone and we called it the lead sled. The and the lead night sled. I won, I was on the inside and I finished him in front of him at the line and you could not see his car cause my damn car was so big. That's amazing. Yeah. He had a Camaro and I had that big old cyclone lead sled. How did you get a boat like that to turn? <laughs> well, I was I was 18 years old, so that okay. probably helped. You just wrestled the thing around the corners. Yeah, yeah. See, that's that's fun. That's why that's why I like those bomber B cars. You kind of st- get a little bit of that old school racing look to them. You start oh, the muscle I love cars. that class, and I like the uh, the y'all call them uh, LKQ or something. Oh, the the uh, super stocks, yeah. Yeah, that class there. I love that class. That reminds me of when I was racing. Is that class? Oh yeah, that's old school looking Monte Carlos and Camaros yeah. now. I, I love it. Yeah, yeah. That's the that's the race that or that's the division that got me hooked on New Smyrna. I came out randomly one night and Super Stocks were up first and they put on a heck of a race and it was side by side for twenty five laps and I'm like, yep, this is awesome. That's my favorite class to watch out there is that class. I bet. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. You ever thought about getting one? 
No, sir, but I did get, I am building a new car right now as we speak. Oh, are you? Oh, all right. So they better look out for new and improved Ken Copley. Yeah, new and improved. We just got to keep getting a little bit of money. We just, you know, a piece at a time. We're doing a Johnny Cash thing right now. Oh, yeah, I understand that 100%. (laughs) But it's it's coming along. Hopefully, it'll be out this year. Awesome, awesome. Yep. So potentially a new car coming out, and uh, one one thing I wanted to ask you is you run the uh, the number seven. Is there any significance to the number seven for you? The reason I run the number seven it was Jim Daly. He's the one that got me back into racing, mm-hmm. and the number I ran was he ran was seven, and he passed away. And when he passed away, everybody goes, "Ken, are you going to continue to race?" I'm like, "Yeah, I think I'm going to find a car and I'm going to do it." And I did that because of John Campions said he would be on board with me to support me, you know, to have me, uh, help me. Yeah. Oh, and man. so he's, he's one of the nicest the guys I out there. Run the number seven, because I've always run the number 61. Okay. Until I just came, when I came back two years ago. And that's the reason I run the number seven. My kids always want me to run 61 this year. Cause the, the week before we just raced was my birthday and I turned 61. So that would have been that that would have been perfect a little throwback and then the the birthday coming up do you think you'll uh are you gonna keep the new car number seven you think or do you think the kids are gonna make you switch well they didn't want make me switch but i i don't know i might just because if it wasn't for mr daly yeah i wouldn't have came back so i'm gonna probably leave it number seven but uh yeah they're they were wanting me to change it to 61 well if you ever you know find your way into another car you know, you get the chance to drive something else, maybe you make that one 61, and then you can cover all the bases there. There you go. Well, it sounds like you have, you know, not only a great story from from racing back in the day and then getting back into it and having success, and, you know, now you're one of the regulars in the E-Mod class and, and running well. The win is, I, I just feel it. it it's coming. Um, you've, had, you've had quite the story, and it's still ongoing. Well, thank you very much, Ron, and I sure do appreciate your... Uh your efforts that you do to try to make this stand out for everyone. Oh, that that's the idea. Uh, you know, I definitely, uh, definitely love, definitely love the sport and love being out there. And, and I wish more people cared, cared about it the way I did, but trying to, trying to keep it relevant somehow for, for you guys, the racers that are putting on a show and really entertaining me on, on Saturdays and everybody else. Well, I'm glad to hear that. That's awesome. Well, I want to give you an opportunity. Um, I know you have a lot of sponsors on that car. I wanted to give you an opportunity here before we end the interview to thank those sponsors or thank anyone that you'd uh, you'd like to give shout-outs to. Well, most definitely. I want to thank uh, Smith Construction for sponsoring my car, Wayne King Racing, and CCS Construction. Uh, all these guys, with exception of CCS Construction, I've been friends with for probably 15 years now. So they're more than just a sponsor to me. You know what I mean? That's your support system, really. Yeah, it really is. And uh, and it was kind of neat. I did a little thing the other day, and my sponsor seen it, and he texted me and said, Ken, you're the man. I'm proud to be your sponsor. Man, that made me feel good. Absolutely, because, y- you know, there's a lot of people that just want to go find a sponsor, take their money, and don't ever do anything to, to give them back, you know, to give back to them. And it sounds like... You're, you're covering all the bases on that as well. I'm trying to. He has golf tournaments. I take my car. He goes, 
Ken, are you going to play in the tournament? I go, yeah, I'm going to bring the race car to the tournament. I'm going to put it on the tee box. There you go. And, and that's, that's what we did. And he was excited about it. He's really excited about it. That's a lost art, too, because you used to see race cars on the side of the road, like advertising, like, hey, there's racing going on. And now you, race cars that go to dealerships and this and that, you don't really see that anymore. So that's that's great. Yeah, and I've been doing that. And I told uh, my other sponsors, same thing. All you got to do is let me know. I'll bring the car there. That's amazing. That's that's yeah. the best promotion right there because you you want yeah. the people to to see the cars and then if they show up to the racetrack and see that car they'll be like oh that's the that's the one I saw at the thing and then they have a connection with a certain car out there and it keeps their interest more and you know it, that's how you make fans that's how you get people to come back so it's great to hear that that you're doing all that and keeping the sponsors happy and gave them a good ride on Saturday too. Yep, I'm excited about it and my and my whole crew's excited. Uh, my crew chief, Casey Hawthorne, has been with me ever since he was a kid. I used to babysit him. Oh, yeah. So him and Kate, Casey and Ricky Smith and my number one fan, Polly. And let me tell you about Casey. He's the he's the man to beat in the spectator races right now. Man, <laughs> I tell you what, you better buckle up if you want to outrun him in the spectator race. No kidding. He's got that black Mustang hooked up right now. So, And I know uh, Casey used to be a, a good racer out there in the past as well. Yes, and my dad and his dad, we all kept our cars together. Matter of fact, first time he ever drove a car was my race car. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we go back, way back. Yes, sir. Good good to have that uh, that long-term team together, that, that support that you have with the, the team and your family and your sponsors. You've got a real good thing going, Ken. Well, hey, I appreciate that. We do our best. Well, real quick before we let you go, what's the uh, what's the number one goal for the 2022 season? My number one goal is to win a race. I got to win a race. My my sponsor was messing with me. He goes, Ken, we might have to renegotiate <laughs> the contract if you can't win a race. I says, we'll work on that. All right. Well, make sure you tell him to listen to this so he can hear that uh, even the announcer, the guy that pays attention every single lap, feels like you got one coming. Awesome. And I'll make sure he hears about this. All right, Ken. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, and we look forward to, to watching you. We'll be talking about the EMODs here quite a bit on the show. All right, man. Thank you for your support, Ryan. Yes, sir. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is Ken Copley, driver of the number seven EMOD, and we'll follow along with him the rest of the year and see if he can get that win. <laughs> Once again, we'd like to thank Ken Copley for calling in the hotline and having that great conversation with us. We got to learn a little bit about uh, Ken. Uh, of course, I'm familiar with him from his last couple of years in EMODs, but great to hear his start in you know, he's kind of like me, been into racing for a long, long time, kind of got out of the short track stuff for a little while and got the bug again and now can't get taken away from it. So, uh, again, thanks for uh, thanks to Ken for taking the time for the interview. And I want to thank him for sponsoring this show. Um, he is uh, putting up some money for each of the episodes that are going to cover the E-Mods uh, and going to give his various companies that sponsor his ride some airtime. So appreciate the support. And uh, make sure you support Ken's sponsors. Especially a big shout-out again to Smid Construction, uh, this week's spotlight sponsor for Ken Copley. Um, you know, they have a ton of clients. Uh, I was looking around, Aldi, uh, a couple others. They've, they've built a whole bunch of car lots and, and churches and all that good stuff. So big thank you to Ken and uh, his sponsors for the support. Give them some love if you can. Um. So with that said, moving on to cover this weekend's Cup Series action over at the Atlanta Motor Speedway, the newly rebuilt, high-banked Atlanta Motor Speedway. They built this place up in hopes to have super speedway-style racing. That was the goal. 
And since that was the goal, I would say that they passed with flying colors because they got a super speedway race out of that mile and a half. Now, does that mean it was good racing? I don't know. It depends. It's very polarizing. It's very split. Some people think that was absolute trash. Some people think that was the most entertaining Atlanta race they've ever seen. I, I think you can almost say that with each and every cup race this season. I've been mostly positive. Phoenix was my least favorite race so far, and even that wasn't terrible for a NASCAR race at Phoenix. It wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen. Um, but I think a lot of people are on the fence about these cars, about NASCAR in general, about their gimmicks. Some people think that NASCAR is just too gimmicky for their taste. Just They want to see them drop their green flag, race for 500 laps, award points, whoever's got the most points at the end of the year, they're still stuck in 2003, which I understand. But at the same time, I think some of the moves NASCAR has made to you know, spice things up, I think they're great. Some people are going to see it's too far. It's too much in the entertainment realm and too much like WWE. And if you have that thought, well, God, I hope you're going to your local short track because even short tracks have gimmicks these days. But, you know, some people that were complaining about it are the same people that say I'm not open-minded enough to appreciate different things. And I was open-minded enough to accept this. I'll tell you that. I loved it. Uh, it was a long race. It really was. Uh, it was like four hours. And we, the minute the checkered flag flew, we had to drive to go get a bed because we got our tax return and went to buy a new mattress and accidentally bought the wrong size mattress because, well, we still had brain fog from Saturday and got home big as life only to be dejected. And checkered flag flew and so do we. We had 30 minutes to get to the furniture store before they closed. And then we came home and got to, I had to build a bed and it was a pain in the ass. Thank God Margo's good at that kind of shit. Um, anyways, I digress. Um, the Cup Series race at Atlanta, uh, it was wild. A record amount of lead changes, 46 lead changes in a 500-mile event. Uh, that is more lead changes than we've had all year. 35 at Daytona 500, 32 at California, 46 at Atlanta. Yes, it was the Super Speedway style where they were basically gridlocked too wide all day. And I, I saw some people say, well, okay, yeah, it was close racing, but was it good? They kind of got in a train Two lanes, not really too much to go, but it was the same way at Daytona. It was pretty much too wide the whole time. Had to make moves, had to have track position. And what I saw, um, to be honest with you, was drivers, th those stages were long. There was some riding around. But if you want this to just be a 200-mile race, you might as well just throw a green-white checkered, have them start five wide, and race around to the finish. If you If you think, you know... Well, the race is too long because all they do is sit around and wait to the last lap. Well, let's just have a one-lap shootout and call it good, right? No, absolutely not. So many things happen, even when they were just run, riding around. Look at the right rear tires that went flat on some of the Chevy teams, which was uh, even Goodyear kind of confirmed that it was team-related, setup-related. You can put you know, independent rear suspension. You can set up more on the rear end now than you ever could. And I think a couple teams jumped the bullet, and it, it did bite them. Except for Ross Chastain, he got lucky. His car stepped down on him while leading, and the wall saved him. Nobody else hit him. Uh, then Tyler Reddick had an issue, and he triggered the big one off turn four. And then poor Ricky Stenhouse. Anytime that kid runs well, something crappy happens to him, and he spun, and then got cleaned out by the Daytona 500 winner. Um, those were some of the, the big moments, and most of it was tire-related, which you can have happen at any track. So I don't think that was necessarily a product of the racing. Maybe some of the learning curve to this new car uh, but it did provide some, you know, stand-up, oh-my-goodness moments. Absolutely no doubt about it. And for those saying there's nowhere to go at Atlanta to get out of the way, I want to point out the shape of the front straightaway. Instead of the rounded trioval, it's a dogleg. So 
we saw a number of cars spin out through the grass and stay down out of the way in the grass. At Daytona, you slide through the grass, you come back on front of, you know, out in front of traffic, and you usually collect a bunch of cars. Here, they slid down through the grass, and the momentum didn't take them back right away up onto the racetrack. In the corners, yeah, the corners are tight, but that was the whole idea. They shrunk it down to 40 feet, uh, just like Daytona. Um, you know, obviously, if there's a wreck in a corner, you go down on the apron, it's going to upset the balance of the car. You're probably going to spin out. So, yeah, corners are tough, but don't be pushing each other in the corners. Um, a couple of the other incidents were contact-related. Um, you had the three of Austin Dillon get the air taken off his nose. Kyle Busch got into him. Those two wrecked out. And then the same thing happened with uh, Denny Hamlin and Kyle Larson coming to the end of stage two. They wrecked each other out, two of the top contenders. So it was wild. It was up and down, 46 lead changes. But at the end of the day, the finish was a good one. Uh, you, you saw drivers waiting, trying to make their moves, and drivers outsmarting each other, uh, making bold moves. And at the end of the day, it was William Byron picking up his first win of the season. Uh, played, you know, the leaders in, in the truck and Xfinity races were sitting duck. You had last lap lead changes. I expected it to happen. But as soon as Ross Chastain bailed on that outside lane, causing uh, Bubba Wallace and Ryan Blaney to get out of shape, then Blaney to hit the wall, the outside lane was cursed. Uh, Chastain tried to get the run and just couldn't, couldn't make it work. And, and William Byron did get the win. And, and it was a deserving win. He led a race high 111 laps. So uh, he didn't just luck into this one. He had a good car all day long. He takes his first win and his first career cup win out of the state of Florida. So it's been a good season for William Byron, those three super late model wins. And now the cup win all but locking him into the championship chase. And maybe this year's his breakout season. He won a racing cup early last year at Homestead, never won again. So we'll see if uh, if this is the start of everything. Three of the 400 cars have won. The other driver, Chase Elliott, is leading the points. So Hendrick off to a phenomenal start, as is Ross Chastain. Another runner-up finish. He is going to win a race this year. He and Tyler Reddick will be your next two first-time winners. I'm calling it now. Uh, Kurt Busch was third. Another where'd he come from type of run. Daniel Suarez into the top five of the fourth place. Corey LaJoy finished in fifth. Chase Elliott sixth. Chris Buescher backwards across the line in seventh. Martin Truex Jr., Joey Logano, Alex Bowman, your top ten. Um, like I said at the top of this, I absolutely loved this race. It was long, but it was entertaining the whole time. I didn't want to miss anything because the possibility of somebody crashing or somebody blowing a tire or a lead change or a race-altering situation was at the snap of a finger. It could happen at any time, and you didn't want to miss it. That's what I like about this style of racing. It's not necessarily... I mean, the lead changes are great. I, I always look at lead changes as a sign of competitiveness, uh, even if it's the same driver leading, you know, leading portions and chunks of the race and getting back out in front, that's fine. I just like to see passing. Um, yeah, there was a couple of times where they just kind of got side by side and rode around. They could have gone bold and, and made other moves, but what's the point at lap 200 of a 325 lap race? You got to ride around a little bit. You got to make it. And this was definitely a challenging race for for these teams, but I, I loved it. And, and just like I like California and Vegas. With these cars on edge, you were just, you just kind of wait for something to happen. So I enjoyed it. Um, I thought the truck and Xfinity races were pretty good. Uh, last lap passes in both of those. Uh, the, the truck race, see, here's the thing about a too short of a race. The truck race, the stages were almost irrelevant because if you had one caution, it basically ran off a quarter of the stage and then nothing really happened. Um, if we do that with the Cup Series, if we shrink these races down to like, you know, 
250 miles, the the first couple stages, you got to get rid of the stages. Uh, it's just not going to be, it, it's just pointless. It just kills the momentum of the race, such as what the um, the competition cautions do. We need to get rid of those. If we're going to do practice, we don't need competition cautions. We don't need that shit. Um, yeah, I, I do have a Richard Cranium Award to give out for this week's episode. That's going to go to John Hunter Nemechek in the four. Um, he was two laps down, got caught by the leaders late in the truck series race and slid up into line behind his two teammates. Chandler Smith was leading the race, looking for his second one of the season. And then riding behind him in the 51 is Corey Heim, looking for his first win. With two to go, John Hunter Nemechek makes a move, or come, uh, actually at the white flag, Nemechek makes the move with Corey Heim to push Corey Heim to the win. He pushed his other teammate to the win, but what's he even doing up there? You're two laps down. He should have just bailed out with just a couple laps to go and let the leaders settle amongst themselves, but instead he dictated who was going to win that race, and I get it. He evened it out for the team. Corey hadn't won yet. Chandler Smith has a win. John Hunter was out of contention. But why piss off one of your other teammates? Let the teammates race it themselves. Let somebody else come up there and get in the mix. Now you've got a teammate who's mad at you that you're going to have to race with the whole season. Corey Heim is part-time. He's thanking you, but now you have the guy you're going to have to race with every week pissed off at you. I don't know if that was a smart move. I give him the Richard Cranium Award. But it was cool to see Corey Heim, who I've called late model races for in the past, get his first career truck series win. I'm pretty sure we'll see him full-time next year. And uh, in the Xfinity Series, man, I was rooting for Ryan Sieg. But again, he was a sitting duck coming to the white flag. And Ty Gibbs, who didn't do anything all day long, comes out and wins in the 54 car. That car, that's the go to the Xfinity Series, no doubt about it. And uh, I mean, nothing against him, but... He takes the win. Ryan Sieg ended up uh, getting past her at the end. So that was a little disappointing. Almost had a first-time winner there as well. But overall, um, I I will say I enjoyed the weekend at Atlanta because I came home Saturday from New Smyrna, um, cracked open a couple more drinks, and watched the uh, Xfinity and truck races, and then got four hours of sleep, woke up to watch the cup race. It it was uh, a great weekend of racing. I I enjoyed it. I I hope this style of racing continues. I know that asphalt's going to wear down. And handling will come into play, but I think if they keep the packages that they ran this weekend, even if we don't see big packs, we'll still see close racing, and the draft will matter. You'll be able to make moves. I, th- I think it'll be fun. Um, do I want to see this everywhere? No. Uh, I-, I think having six of these style races on the schedule for the Cup Series is enough. Um, it does help mix things up. I mean, we got six short tracks. we got six super speedways. Uh, we got about six different mile and a halfs left. You got six road courses. I think it's a sweet number, and I don't think we need to do this at Vegas. I don't think we need to do this um, at Charlotte. You know, those races can just be on their own. And uh, I understand, though, with the new pavement, these cars are going to be hauling the mail. We saw some hard hits here. Imagine another 20, 30 mile an hour. It would have been devastating. So I think it was a good call. Atlanta accomplished their goal, and we'll see what happens here moving forward. I'm excited for the race in July, but... Uh, Again, congratulations to William Byron picking up the win. This weekend, Cup Series will be at COTA, Circuit of the Americas, for the second race out there. Of course, last year's race, you can throw it away. Uh, It was in rainy conditions. It really wasn't the best race because the rain just made it impossible to see. We saw some big wrecks. Um, I I hope it's dry this year. It'll be the first road course race with a new car, which uh, this car was built with road courses in mind. So it should perform well. It'll probably be a track position type race, but who knows? Maybe these things will race so well that 
we'll see a whole bunch of passing and, and different things happen. Uh, definitely excited. I love the racetrack. It's a beautiful circuit. Um, to me, it has potential to be the best road course that we go to. Uh, if it does rain, there's been some things put into place to help with the visibility issues, but I, I want to see Coda on a clear day and put it on the driver's hands. Uh, Chase Elliott is my pick. I know going out on a limb there, uh, but I think he'll get his first win of the season. Uh, I think Kyle Larson's going to be good. I think Kyle Busch is going to be good as well. So those are the three that I would watch out for, and we'll see what happens. Circuit of the Americas coming up this weekend. We'll cover that on next weekend's show. Um, also, on next weekend's show, we will have coverage of Family Fun Night from New Smyrna featuring the Super Stocks, the Mod Minis, the Bomber A's, the Bomber V's, the Vintage Cars, and Spectator Races. I can't wait to cover the Spectator Races. It's always a fun time. Uh, Super Stocks, love that class. I think the Mod Minis will be fun as well. Um, can't wait. Can't wait. And we'll also do a uh, Central Florida Racing Roundup. We'll pick a big race to look at and see what's going on elsewhere. Um, hopefully we'll get somebody else on the hotline for next week. But thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you to all of our sponsors. American Auto, 124 Welding and Fab, and uh, Smith Construction, courtesy of Ken Copley. So uh, until next week, make sure you get out to your local short track, watch some good racing, take care of each other, and we will talk to you next week. Take care, everyone.